Bonjour, and welcome to the French Tech Australia podcast. I'm your host, Thibaut Winondo, and I'll be co-hosting this show with my friend Alex. La French Tech is a unique movement, bringing together startups, investors, policymakers, and community builders. With a network of 38 hubs in France and 48 others internationally, La French Tech is empowering local ecosystem on the tech scene. Our goal with this podcast is to give a platform to tech change makers in Australia so that their entrepreneurial journey can inspire you to take action. 25%. That's the drop in the net change of business creation last year in Australia, according to the Australia Bureau of Statistics. In other words, the impact of co the COVID pandemic has put a serious dent in the entrepreneurial ecosystem. With Australia closing its borders, it's also the prospects of bearing international entrepreneurs from setting a foot down under that clouds the horizon. But before jumping too far ahead, let's assess the story of what the Aussie market has had in store for international startups. In today's episode, we explore the quest for studying or scaling an international startup in Australia. Today's guest is Leo Dennis. Leo has over 18 years of business experience with strategy and business development. Through Australian consulting and talent acquisition solutions, Leo leveraged his experience and network to assist international businesses and professionals succeed in Australia. Down under since 2007, Leo has co-founded and led the French Business School Alumni in Australia network and regularly supports various not-for-profit organizations. Since January 2016, Leo is part of the French-Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry in New South Wales, a founding committee member of La French Tech Australia since 2018. Leo, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Thibaut. Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Pleasure to have you over here. Um, this very interesting topic that we're going to cover with you today uh, with someone with uh, that extensive experience with helping uh, startups uh, scaling and starting in Australia. I guess just wanted to have a, you know, a, a bigger overview of what you provide. Uh, if you could share your, a part of your resume with what you do with Australians and Startup and Angel. Sure. So as you said, like I've been in Australia for close to 14 years now. I'm a management consultant uh, originally, and I came thanks to PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers, back in 2007. Basically, uh, I've, I've put my passion and, you know, pretty my talent in those two businesses, Australians and Startup and Angels. The vision is really to help and create meaningful connections. And all we do and, and the vision is really to help, uh, you know, more uh, businesses and also talents to succeed in Australia. Uh, lately, we're also helping a number of Australian startups to expand in Asia, Pacific and Europe mainly. In terms of our service line, uh, you know, then it's how we kind of create those connections. For international companies, we, we provide them with advice on their best go-to-market strategy. Uh, we can then help them to um, create and manage uh, a local entity, so an Australian business. We can also then kind of start and grow uh, their team locally uh, through our talent acquisition solutions. All right, it's a, quite an impressive resume here uh, with uh, the services you provide now. You mentioned something in your early career where you started as a consultant. I guess just want to have a peek at this in, in terms of What skill set that helped you acquire for then, you know, becoming this community builder and being involved in leading so many projects? What, what have you learned from your eight years of experience as a consultant? 
I would say, you know, a, a consultant, uh, you know, is, uh, is a bit of a superman, uh, you know, when you, mm -hmm. you send to clients to resolve their burning problems, you know, because otherwise they wouldn't need consultant if they didn't have problems. So I've, I've worked and, you know, I was obviously working for a large consulting firm. So I worked mainly on, uh, you know, kind of large uh, clients such as Commonwealth Bank, Woolworths, NBN Co., uh, the New South Wales government, uh, the Queensland government. So, you know, I was typically sent there to do diagnostic, you know, understand the, the root cause of a problem and then come up with a plan and start the execution of that plan to uh, solve the problems. So what, you know, all those years have probably given me is, you know, like a, a problem solving approach and methodology, uh, you know, as well as, you know, a number of other skill set like, you know, stakeholder management, trying to be as analytical as possible when uh, coming up with diagnostic and, and, uh, and solution, you know, understanding the KPIs and the critical success factors. Yeah, I mean, just overall, you know, doing slides and, you know, Excel and all this type of good stuff as well along the way. But I suppose, you know, I've, I've taken all this and, you know, I've also realized that, you know, I consider myself as an entrepreneur. You know, what I like is really to be surrounded by entrepreneurs. I'm absolutely certain that, you know, entrepreneurs are the only one actually being able to change the world uh, and make it a better place. So, you know, I've I'm no, you know, through all my activities, really, uh, I really enjoy being surrounded by entrepreneurs and, uh, you know, helping them change the world, basically. Yeah, no, it's, it's very inspiring. Um, I really feel that, um, especially since I would say the last 10 years, 10 to 15 years, is more and more appetite and willingness to, to change the world, to um, innovative and disruptive uh, action. And I think technology has played a, a key role there. So before going a bit more into you as a community builder, um, are you, what is your experience with technology uh, being an entrepreneur? Uh, are you using it as its uh, best potential? Um, is it part of your journey or what is kind of your um, insight there as you have been uh, already a few years as an entrepreneur? How do you see technology driving innovation and, and changing the world? So, the, I mean, definitely I would say kind of, for me, people are changing the world world and people are building technology that said and big disclaimer here like i'm not an engineer you know i come from a business school background uh, so i won't pretend like you know i know to code or whatever but i really think i mean technology and you know we're doing this podcast today you know thanks to technology uh, i'm managing a team you now uh, where we've got team members in hong kong and in south america in france okay. And all this is really possible through uh, technology and, you know, the, the progress uh, the world has made, uh, you know, in terms of uh, in the communication field uh, in particular, you know, every day we use probably uh, at least 20 uh, different softwares, uh, you know, okay. the tech stack for all company to really be a, a tech enabled service organization uh, and to be as scalable as possible you know, for um, talent acquisition vertical, you know, we're using a native uh, talent acquisition system that integrates with the like of, you know, LinkedIn and other job boards. We, uh, you know, obviously use Slack on, a, on an hourly basis. Okay. Uh, we use, you know, WhatsApp. We use um, uh, fantastic uh, tools such as, you know, Aircall, uh, AirWallX to, you know, pay 
uh, or receive fund uh, internationally. So basically, you know, I'd say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer and, you know, I'm, a, I'm always a bit disappointed when, you know, I deal with, you know, gigantic organizations such as, you know, large banks and I won't name them and see that, you know, they still ask you to uh, come physically to the branch, you know, sign a paper, um, mm. send, uh, yeah, send paper and, uh, you know, I, I really feel um, that's where kind of entrepreneurs like us can level the, the play field and, you know, be very, very focused on, you know, one particular prog- problem and solve it thanks to technology. Wonderful, wonderful. As, a, as you mentioned, yeah, technology helps people to connect. So now you can work with people all over the world and, and bring best talent wherever they are. And, and you are using uh, technology as its best potential for your company to succeed on your mission. That is great. Uh, thanks for sharing, Leo. Then looking uh, into the community, Leo, uh, every time we go in an event, we see you, you organize yourself a lot of events. You have a company either that you created yourself or that you partner uh, with other company. Where does it come from, this appetite for, for um, building communities and being part of, of such so many uh, events and networking? I mean, something... Uh... Uh, you know, and I, I'll say that very genuinely, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit older now, but, you know, something I've realized through, uh, you know, my, my personal, my professional, and I uh, know my entrepreneurial journey is that I think my unique talents uh, are actually, you know, something that uh, I can bring to the world and my added value is to be a connector. And, you know, you were talking about events and what better than, a, than an event and, you know, especially if, uh, an in-person event to connect with people. So, you know, that's not something I, I kind of started recently. You know, that's something that, you know, even at school or, you know, at a younger age, uh, I was always the one kind of, you know, organizing a football in a park, you know, organizing a party. At business school with uh, OM Lyon, I was, you know, in an association organizing events. I think that, you know, what I, and I enjoy actually more and more going to events I'm not organizing, <laughs> such as, you know, a number of the events we've launched with La French Tech, uh, you know, in the French Tech Connect in Sydney, for example. But, you know, when, when I see a need, you know, I, I'm, I'm taking that first step to initiate uh, an opportunity to connect, you know, uh, for me, uh, you know, events, communities are really, uh, you know, providing everyone with a, with a network, um, with knowledge. Sometimes, um, you know, whether that's kind of partner deals or, you know, opportunity to find new clients, investor, or, uh, in the case of the, some of the events I'm, I'm driving. Great. So to anyone who doesn't have this chance to be this kind of person at the beginning, maybe a bit shy or a bit reserved, or is not a leader as you seem to be and as, as your um, attitude and, and behavior. Um, what are the kind of advice you can, you can give to these people that would like to network, but they're not really sure to make things happen? Do you have any, any tips for this kind of? Yeah, and I mean, over the years, I've, I've had the, the real chance and enjoyment of mentoring probably hundred of this type of person. And, you know, it's, it's extraordinary to see that, you know, for someone, I think, you know, that is open to learn and open to remove some of the barriers, inner barriers you may have in your uh, unconscious. And, you know, if there's someone like, you know, like, like similar to me, you know, always open to, uh, you know, give a hand. Basically, you know, the, one of the first thing I would say is, you know, go to online events. 
So online events, you know, you can be a passive attendee. Then the first thing you may want to do is like in the chat and say, Hey, this is, this is Leo here. You know, I'm based in Sydney or I'm based in France. Great to be here, you know, and, and potentially, uh, you know, that's always easier in writing without a camera, start engaging or asking questions to, you know, some of the speakers. Um, you know, another great opportunity I think is, you know, to be part of, you know, a not-for-profit, you know, in Australia, we've got the Life Saving Club, for example, you know, wherever you are in the world, there may be, you know, a French tech community, you can go and help as a volunteer. So, you know, even if you're not the one organizing the event and taking all the lights, you know, you can be here helping with the registration, with the setup of the room and things like this. And, you know, um, and then kind of, you know, progressively uh, raise your hand to take more responsibilities. You will learn uh, and hopefully gain confidence by, you know, whether that's, you know, online or physically uh, going towards other. And, you know, as long as you're happy to, to learn and also um, meditate, you know, about, you know, why you've got this barrier, maybe that will, you know, that will help you definitely in your personal journey to gain confidence and uh, look a bit more outward. Yeah, thanks, Leo. Now we just want to have a look at the, the heart of the episode, which is coming from someone like you with such extensive experience with helping um, startup grow and scale and international startup coming over in, in Australia here. What are the different paths for a startup coming over and say, hey, I want to try to grow over here. So what's, what are the best way? And uh, when they address to you, what's your, uh, you know, your, your connector and your facilitator skills? How do you set that in motion? So, I mean, I, I would say don't kind of four potential routes. And then, you know, I think it's going to be, you know, pretty much for each startup, each founder, depending on what the, you know, what problem they solve uh, or they do it. Uh, and also, you know, potentially their budget. Okay. So that's going to be, that needs to be kind of adapted a little bit on a case by case basis. But basically when, when we are approached by an entrepreneur or, you know, like a, a scale-up uh, about the, uh, the Australian market. Uh, typically, we start with a consulting engagement, which aim to um, help them form the best go-to-market strategy. The four kind of paths I can think of, um, one is direct entry. Until before COVID, we've seen a number of companies where they would send someone from their head office or from the region, uh, you know, if, if the company is mature enough to have, let's say, an office in Singapore or Hong Kong, come to the country and kind of open and start the business there. Okay. So that's a direct entry route. Another direct, so this is currently not possible with the borders closed. So one of the solutions we have developed is basically a re business representation services. So where we have uh, <clears throat> a BDM, uh, in-house that does, you know, work on, on, on developing the country for three to six months and that they risk the whole process, you know, including the personal uh, risk of someone, you know, coming in the country and potentially that there is no market for this company or they don't have the right solution for the company or they don't have the budget to adapt their solution uh, for the Australian market. So I, I just spoke about the direct entry. Then there is an option to actually look for channel partners. So channel partners would typically 
be you know companies that are gonna be reselling your your solution who already have an established client base where your solution would be a good add-on in their let's say catalog uh, of of solutions whatever that is you know whether that's software physical products uh, and so on. Uh, another thing that you know know is a number of companies were already doing uh, you know including the like of Google LinkedIn. Uh, you know, before they established a, a Mammoth team here, is sell remote. Uh, so basically, here, you know, that that can really work for uh, software companies as well. So you know, you do your Google Ads, you know, to sell on the Australian markets, and you and you and you try to sell directly remotely. One of the big uh, learning points I would say with this is that Australia being located wherever that is, if you're selling from you know France or the US to Australia. One of the big lessons learned is around uh, customer support. So basically, if you want to retain your uh, customer over long term, which is often the, you know, the case for a SaaS business, you absolutely, absolutely need local uh, customer support, um, or at least in a closer zone than from your own market, you know, just because the business hours here are you know, when you sleep. We've observed a number of companies, including French Tech, uh, I won't name them, who you know, kind of thought they could be selling completely remotely uh, but then at some point your, your your client has a question and is a bit deceived when you don't reply same day and you know especially if he's you know complaining about something so you may be able to you know have this approach you know in a, in a first time and then you know when you have a critical mass of client i would hardly recommend to look at establishing at least a customer success function or a, some type of account management function on the ground uh, and then finally, <clears throat> another route, and it's probably more for larger companies or large brands, uh, it's merger and acquisition. So another kind of quick way, you know, including with the, the borders closed to basically set up presence in Australia is to either do a joint venture with an Australian organization that, you know, has synergies with your business, similar audience to it, so to do um, external acquisition. That give you a bit of an idea of, you know, I'd say the, the, the four kind of family of um, go-to-market strategy, direct entry, channel partners, sell fully remotely, or merger and acquisition. That's uh, another, play, another playbook to apply here for any listeners. With COVID, because, you know, obviously we can't really talk about coming over and starting a business when using whichever of the four channels. Or channels if you want to activate more than more than one it's definitely we shuffle the cards in terms of you know the best options available at hand what do you see you know in terms of the the, the channels that have previously pre-covid been used the most to what you're looking at now in terms of the, the perspective for the next one to two years what can we expect in terms of those channels being activated what's going to be prioritized if I'm a French business over there and I want to look and look into expanding over here, what's my best in my best interest for now? If you are happy and I can share some current client stories we have. So one is French, uh, it's Aircore, uh, you know, hopefully the next French unicorn. Series C company with, you know, strong teams in France and Europe, strong team in the US. 
but and they engaged us February 2020. <laughs> Originally, they were sending, uh, they were thinking to send VE uh, VIE to Australia to open the country. They already had a strong existing base of clients that they managed to acquire remotely. And basically, here what we did is we we pretty much built them, built their local sales force, uh, local customer success function. Uh, and now they have, you know, like uh, a decent uh, subsidiary, direct subsidiary, less than one year uh, later, they have 20 people on the ground uh, with their own office. And, you know, what we've learned here is, you know, really around kind of being agile, being able to scale uh, your, your team and your local team in particular. I think that's uh, one of the secret recipe, um, you know, for Aircore success here is they have actually hired, you know, Australian and Australian-based sales force, the people talking uh, to the leads and customers, <clears throat> instead of, you know, doing what companies were doing traditionally, you know, sending their own, uh, their own staff who knew the solution, but didn't know the market and didn't have the credibility, didn't have the network. And it's, it's really now like we're replicating this model with, you know, uh, Scalefast, which is a Series B company from the US, with Underlist, which is a company from Hong Kong in e-commerce, with BePatient, which is a, a, a French medtech. That's what we did as well with MobiWave, uh, one of our Canadian clients, a fintech uh, that sold to Apple uh, last August for uh, uh, $100 million US. At the moment, we, we're working with a great uh, crowdfunding, uh, crowd testing uh, platform uh, called Testium. They are from New Caledonia. The Australian market is obviously much bigger than um, New Caledonian market. Uh, they've got a great solution. And, you know, we, we are in this phase in terms of establishing the, their go-to-market strategy. But just the fact that people in Australia are speaking with uh, prospect on their behalf uh, makes a huge difference. You know, I'd say, you know, around all of this, um, you know, the, the lessons learned is really having a local presence as early as, as you can, uh, you know, obviously depending on your budget, establishing the first traction, adapting your marketing, your message, potentially doing some customization on your solution, your pricing strategy as well. We pay in Australian dollar here can really uh, make a big difference yeah, for, for your success long term. And I guess it shouldn't be easier sometimes uh, to find uh, Australian um, talented people, right? Because the market is pretty small as well. So that I think is one of your added value to be able to find them and retain them in the company and as well as um, um, have the strategy for the company. So yeah, it's being uh, on the industry myself, uh, I see the challenge and the, the added value to, uh, to have uh, such services and, and, um, and um, a, a pool of, of, of people and... Uh, and the experience as well to be able to advise and see what was working before and what uh, what need to be done today to succeed. Uh, so thanks for sharing it with us, uh, Leo. Another question that come often is uh, the access to funding. Uh, how do you see Australia in comparison to uh, Europe or, for example, America? Okay, I'll start with America because that's one of my favorite topics. One of the things I've observed, uh, you know, we working with a number of European startups and French startups, especially, is like America is the Eldorado. Wow, you know, like so first we're gonna conquer Europe, and then you know, then the next next thing is gonna be US. US is an extremely difficult market, you know. So 
yes, they are more funding. Yes, uh, but like, you know, we're talking about 50 states, you know, always different uh, jurisdiction. We're talking about, I don't know, many time zones. Um, so, you know, when you establish a base in the US, like where you start, like, you know, if you go to the Valley or New York, or, you know, even though like Houston, uh, which is, you know, uh, the, the, the new trend, uh, you know, what you see is like the, the, the cost of employees there is like two, three, four times the one you have in France. Okay, so yes, you can raise more money. Yes, there is a big uh, upside and it's a big market, um, but it's also very fragmented, very expensive. All the feedback I've had uh, from our clients going to the US is the, the role, you know, like it's not like you have a sales role, it's like to cover what, you know, let's, uh, let's say a BDM is doing here or is doing in France, you actually need five different people that all have very niche uh, skills. Uh, there is also a huge turnover, like people, you know, start with your business, they're all excited. And then three months later, you need to recruit again and, and start again. Uh, so, you know, what we see, you know, one of the parallel, uh, you know, in, in Australia, yes, it's a smaller market, still 25 million uh, people, you know, the average revenue, you know, is much higher, you know, there is actually a nice concentration, you know, like 80, 85% of the population live in five cities. So, you know, in terms of potential, I would say it's, it's actually, you know, I want to convince more people that actually people should go to Australia before going to the U.S. Uh, there are a lot of companies. I mean, let's say talk about Uber, uh, Uber Eats, uh, they're testing a lot of their functionality, you know, so that, that means something. It's like, it's a nice laboratory, you know, nice English speaking market, Anglo-Saxon mentality, different to the UK, different to the US in terms of the mentality, probably way more friendly, uh, you know, at least at first sight. People accept that you do mistakes, you know. So yeah, so I, I think it's, you know, a different market on its own. Uh, yes, it's far. Yes, it's an expensive market, but the upside and the learnings you can get in Australia can then be applied to other countries and you know and 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 by testing in australia you may not kind of break your company while you can break your company trying to go to the us too soon and based on your experience um what is the kind of the type of investors here in australia are, are they similar to um uh, europe or america what people are looking as a as a company is coming to establish in australia um, is there any specific industries or, or personality? What, what so, are you yeah. so, so it's a good point. So, so you know, we, we have this discussion with, you know, a number of our clients. In any, I mean, in any case, I haven't seen too many international companies raising money in Australia. Uh, one of the reasons, and that would be the same, you know, with, with Singapore and other markets. Uh, one of the criteria for investor, you know, can be, you know, potentially tax incentive, control, uh, you know, definitely um, a share of the IP. So, you know, if you come to Australia, you create a subsidiary and then you're looking for investor in that subsidiary, then, you know, investors wouldn't be interested. There are only few funds in Australia that really have like a global portfolio, i.e. invest outside of Australian companies and they're mainly attracted by US companies. Uh, because, you know, in their investment philosophy, they would have the US and, you know, their investors, uh, their Australian investors, which are often uh, superannuation funds, 
you know, know that part of the portfolio is going to come from the US. You know, with the investment committee here of the La French Tech Australia, we, we are kind of open in terms of uh, looking and helping French companies and or uh, Australian companies that are founded by at least, you know, one French or Francophile. You know, we, we are definitely looking at companies, let's say, from region uh, that look at moving the head office in Australia, and we can definitely help with that. Uh, but Australian investor will, in 99% of the case, look at investing in an Australian entity, okay? And uh, two or three kind of uh, VC, I know that, you know, would be open to international uh, investment uh, would be Blackbird VC uh, or Airtree VC. Okay. Now that we have a grasp on what the, the market is like in terms of the, the interest and the potential, you mentioned a bit before Aircall as being a good example of a recent scaling in Australia in complicated times, uh, February to 2020, I think you said. Do you have any other examples like this coming from Europe, of, from France, of, uh, of businesses coming to Australia and that have uh, done really well in the last decade? I can talk about... Um... OVH cloud, you know, that uh, provide cloud uh, solutions, architecture as a service, um, you know, access to uh, data center. So they've recently opened their second uh, private data center in, uh, in, in Australia, in Sydney. The team is, you know, lovely, you know, the, the good supporter of uh, startup and angels and, and La French Tech. You know, what I see is, you know, for, for them, uh, they, you know, they're here to take some market shares from Amazon Web Services, from uh, Google Cloud, from Microsoft Azure. You know, I won't share too much about their, you know, their strategy and how they're going, but like, you know, just so you know that, like, especially if you are a French or European company, uh, you, if you are already using OVH Cloud uh, solutions, then I would definitely uh, encourage you to look at their startup program. They are working on a number of initiatives to help, you know, European startups with the expansion in APAC uh, and we're working with them on that. So that's one, uh, you know, kind of French unicorn I, I could mention. Uh, and then there are some others, you know, Criteo, uh, which, you know, is also a member of La French Tech here, uh, has done pretty well in Australia. They've got a team of um, 12 or 14 uh, now in Sydney. Uh, there is uh, TIDS, uh, which is another ad tech that is doing very well. Well done, Remy. There is Miracle at the moment. David Albia um, is helping uh, uh, you know, them to grow here uh, and you know, offer their marketplace solution. Uh, so there are a number, you know, if, unfortunately, not all the kind of French tech unicorns uh, you know, have, have come to this market you know, for whatever reason. Uh, maybe they're too busy, uh, you know, trying to crack the U.S. But yeah, I would definitely, you know, encourage and, uh, you know, to, to, to put Australia on the map as, you know, a, a nice market, nice laboratory for the kind of Anglo-Saxon type market. Yeah, right. There's a few startups uh, that you mentioned that I'm not sure we can still define as startups. Uh, Miracle, I think, until a couple of weeks ago, still held the uh, uh, the record of the, the most money raised, I think it was a couple of months ago or something like that. They raised three, ah, I can't remember the, the, the exact number, but they 
yeah, huge, huge scaling. And uh, I think you're right. It's uh, definitely a great laboratory to, to try to expand over here in Australia and, and test out some features and, and, uh, and opening branches for sure. Thank you, Leo, for sharing the, the overall perspective on the Aussie market for international businesses looking to expand or to open over here. Are we transitioning to the conclusion of this episode and we want to go back to something maybe a, a little bit more personal to see and ask you that after almost I mean, more than a decade now in Australia, um, obviously you've, you've uh, I don't know if you've explored everything, but what, uh, what can we uh, you know, wish for you uh, and what do you look at in terms of your own growth and uh, yeah, your own perspective? Wow. <laughs> what can you wish me? Um, I think, you know, where I am in my personal and entrepreneurial journey, something that has become, uh, that, that is becoming front mind. And when I wake up every morning is like, you know, where, how can I have the most impact today? Okay. So there are, there are a few people I know that, you know, are, you know, are going to grow my business and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll become a billionaire and, you know, I ask them, okay, you know, and, and what will you do when you're a billionaire? Uh, you know, some people are talking about jets, yachts, plane, big house. Some other people say, you know, I, I'm going to start, you know, creating schools, donating, changing the world. I don't necessarily aspire to be a billionaire, but what I realize is like, I don't want to wait another 10 years or 20 years to have an impact. I really want to have an impact every day. And for me, uh, you know, everyone has a definition of impact. For me, thanks to Australian talent, we, we changing lives, uh, changing the life of a number of uh, talents, you know, people like us, you know, who came to the country, uh, that are a bit underdog here. And, you know, when we help them secure their first permanent job in Australia, uh, you know, with a decent salary, then there is nothing much that gives me more joy than to see the smile on their face and, um, you know, and to be grateful for that. Uh, when, you know, more recently I've organized events <clears throat> to talk about impact startup uh, and impact investment, having been surrounded by people who are really driven by, you know, a strong purpose of, you know, whether that's the climate, whether that's social inequality, whether that's access to education, water, uh, you know, in some countries, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, I really want them to be successful. Uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think it's all part of our uh, mission as entrepreneur, you know, taking this role, you know, you mentioned the world leader and all this, you know, for me, entrepreneur, you know, is more than that is, you know, it's all about, you know, taking initiative, you know, for me, you know, making money is, an, is a necessity, uh, but it's, it's clearly not the driver of impact, uh, what I define as impact. So fully that, you know, what you can wish me like, you know, the day I die, uh, I don't know, there are hundred or hundred of thousands of people saying thank you and will remember Leo was a good man. Thank you, uh, Leo, for, for sharing so much uh, passion and, uh, and uh, yeah, we can, we can see that uh, you're very driven by what you do. And, and it's good to hear that, uh, you know, when you wake up every day, you want to have an impact. I think that is a, uh, as well with Thibault, uh, uh, what we try to do with uh, uh, the podcast, you know, sharing experiences like yours, uh, uh, Leo. So thanks uh, so much for it. On this topic of changing the world, um, 
do you have any um, anyone or do you have people that inspire you and, and that you see as a, as a model? Being an entrepreneur, willing to have an impact, sometimes we, you know, we hear stories or we have people in mind that has done great things. What is on your side? Do, do you have um, any examples of, of people you, you admire? Yeah, and I'm about to write a book about it. But yeah, I mean, you know, everyone think about the Bill Gates of the world. And, you know, for me, you know, all these guys, you know, they, they're great. Like, you know, I don't know exactly how they got there. Um, but there are, yeah, a number of people and, you know, some of them that I can call my mentor. I've got a list of 25 <laughs> that's going to be in the book. I'm not going to display it here. But yeah, there are a number of people. And I think it's quite important for, you know, any of any of you who are listening to, you know, take a step back and say, you know, who are my role model? And when I say role model, I'm not thinking like, you know, I want to become this guy, uh, you know, but something that will guide you in terms of knowing, you know, what you define as good, uh, you know, for you. And, you know, that's that's something I, it came very late to me uh, or in my life. And then, you know, this conception of role model, this conception of mentor, you know, someone you can go to. Uh, that you respect and you can learn from the experience. So, so yeah, so I've got a few, I'm not going to name them all. Uh, you know, some of them <clears throat> are entrepreneurs, some of them, are, you know, working in association, uh, not taking any light to them. Some of them are, you know, from my family. Thank you, Leo, and um, we look forward to, uh, to reading your book. So please uh, let us know when, uh, when it's live and if we can have it uh, Online, just maybe a minute for you, uh, Leo. Maybe uh, there's a, a few other things that you, you would like to share with us, or if not, um, where can we find you and what are the next events um, uh, where people can connect with you or, or attend um, if, um, if they're in Sydney or, or anywhere else in Australia? So, yeah, so I mean, in terms of, you know, for those of you who are not in Australia, uh, where you can find me, the, you know, the best thing is probably, uh, you know, on, on LinkedIn. Uh, if you contact me on LinkedIn and I, you know, I try to reply to everyone, uh, very important when you connect with me, put a personal message. Okay. So I, I'm not connecting with people I don't know or who don't put a personal message or reason why they're contacting me. So, you know, if you refer to that podcast, you know, I assure you, I will, I will, I will connect with you and, and, and reply to you. And then, you know, if not, then you can follow me on, uh, on Twitter. Um, I've got a Facebook page, a public Facebook page called uh, Leo Dennis. You know, other than that, like I would really encourage a number of you to uh, join our community, startupandangels.com. Hopefully you can you know find the find the link uh, on, on, under this uh, this podcast. Basically, if you go on the website, you've got a lot of free content, including our own podcast. Uh, you can join the community; it's free for now. We've got over seven hundred uh, entrepreneurs from all around the world. Uh, you know, we'll give you access to you know day one uh, to an amazing network of entrepreneurs, investors, mentors, access to our partner deals. Uh, and then, you know, from there, you know, you'll start your journey with Startup and Angel. You can attend our events, uh, online events for free. So, yeah. So, and, 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 you know, if you come to an event, you'll definitely find me because I really enjoy those moments. 
yeah, I really want to, to make the most of, you know, this amazing opportunity we have in Australia, being able to do, you know, physical uh, slash hybrid events and not just uh, online. So that's, that's, that's where you can find me. Thank you very much, Leo, for this great episode. And we wish you the best moving forward because you're going to have uh, a key role now moving forward with Australian businesses, investors and startups connecting together to rebuild and uh, launch the project of tomorrow over here at Calendar. Thank you again, Leo. Thank you, Leo. Thank you, guys. Take care.